Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. All right. Okay. Uh, welcome, welcome, everybody, to uh, the latest edition of Cop On. Uh, we're, you know, sort of the, the Euros are up and running. Some uh, craziness, craziness with Christian Eriksen. We wish him all the very, very, very best. Um, he seems to be making an absolutely marvellous recovery and uh, we can hope that he can make a full recovery get back out on the football pitch uh, but uh, already it's fantastic news for that and then apart from that uh, in the Euros well I've got a few people uh, to talk about the Euros we're also going to talk about Liverpool and how the Euros affect Liverpool this is mainly what we're going to do today uh, but uh, we've got about 50 minutes before uh, the latest games kick off so we're on a bit of a strict time limit but I, w- I want to really thank uh, Abdul and Brian and Doug and Liam for joining me on this call. So um, we'll go in alphabetical order. Why not? Abdul, I'll start with you. Um, the Euros are on. Um, are you like me and you're enjoying them more than you thought you would? Or are you always, I don't know, a Europhile or a Eurosceptic? Or I don't know, how are you feeling about the Euros? Yeah, um, I'm pleasantly surprised. Uh because the last few European, uh, just international tournaments, they've been a bit stale. Um, I feel like there's been a trend of teams to just, you know, try and not lose matches, and it's resulted in a lot of pragmatic football. But the matches that we've seen in this Euro so far, they've been pretty entertaining. Um, some big storylines, some decent goals as well. And yeah, obviously the Christian Eriksen thing was not nice. I was luckily having a nap when that happened, so I didn't see it actually happen. But... I woke up pretty much while it was still happening and everybody was completely shocked. So, yeah, that was not a good moment. But apart from that, I think it's been pretty successful. And having the fans back in the stadium as well has really added a buzz to everything. So hopefully, um, yeah, I think one of the managers was like, oh, yeah, now we're going to a new Euros completely with the knockout stages. So, yeah, hopefully the knockout stages take it up another notch and uh, we get even better football. Lovely answer, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it has been exciting, uh, you know, to to see the crowds back. It's been absolutely that's really added a lot to this tournament. I mean, especially like the the full house for Hungary against France. That was, I mean, it was it was it was beautiful to see. Really, everybody. Well, I'm not sure some of those naked torsos were entirely beautiful, but uh, you know what I mean. It was beautiful to see everybody. Uh, you know having a great drunken time um uh, brian are you enjoying the euros or you don't give it monkeys because ireland are not there um i'm probably like you uh oh and I, I i'm really surprised at how much i am enjoying them um uh, my buddy was like are you, you going to be watching the euros and i'm like no listen i'm not really interested in international football and then they started and I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> I'm watching every single game. So, yeah, I'm loving it. It's brilliant. It's great to see fans in the stadium. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a joy. I'm, I'm really enjoying the whole thing. And it's a, it's a different thing watching international football rather than, like, domestic football. And it seems better this time around. I don't know why. Maybe, maybe it's because we've been so starved of of atmosphere and... And I, I really wasn't into it before they kicked the ball. But the minute they kicked the ball, I was like, I'm really into this. 
Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're both nailed it, Abdul and Brian there. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been so enjoyable. Doug, I know that you're a huge football fan and I know that you've been enjoying the Euro, so I'm not going to ask you the same question. I'm going to ask you about, about Liverpool because I can't help it. Obviously, you're there supporting Scotland and Scotland have been, you know, superb. And I'm sorry to hear that uh, Billy Gilmore's uh, out with COVID because he's been superb. And, and, and he's a player that I've had my eye on for a couple of years since I saw him for Chelsea uh, under 18s or under 23s he was playing at when he was 16 something like that he was uh, you know I've had my eye on him for a couple of years as an extraordinary talent I would love to see him at Liverpool although I think that's totally unrealistic but uh, outside of the Scottish players Doug or even inside with John McGinn being linked um, you know have you got a list of a few players that, that have caught your eye that you would love to see in a in a red shirt yeah absolutely um, obviously I think the main one is probably um, Isaac for uh, for Sweden I think he's been I think he's been terrific he's he's really um, he's really come on come on song really um, I think look I think Sweden I think Sweden have had a, a good a good Euros. Um, obviously, they're needing a win to beat uh, Poland, and I can actually see Isaac potentially. You know, he's still to get on the score sheet. He was very unlucky not to get on the score sheet against uh, uh, Slovakia um, and uh, Spain um, as well. Spain have been a big, big disappointment for me. Uh, but there's Isaac for Sweden, uh, Sabitzer for um, uh, for Austria, um, and I really like the look of um, one of the Italians, uh, Locatelli. I think he's I think he's fantastic um, as well. So yeah, there, there are there are definitely a few uh, a few players to uh, to look out for. But uh, I'm just like everyone else. I'm I'm just enjoying the uh, enjoying the tournament and uh, yeah, it's nice to it's nice to be back at a you know major um, finals after 23 years. Um, I thought Scotland were fantastic against England uh, the other night and uh, John McGinn. Um, I'm 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 surprised at that 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 rumor, but. Uh, I'm I'm all for it. I think he's I think he's a fantastic player, and uh, I think um, he, he's he's the linchpin of uh, of our midfield. So uh, if 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 we manage to get McGinn this summer, I'll, I'll be I'll be happy. But yeah, I think of 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 the of the players that have been mentioned, I think Isaac is probably the one I'm I'm really looking forward to. Hopefully, uh, we go for. Um, because I think we do need more firepower up front. So I think I think Isaac for firepower. Uh, Sabitzer, I mean, you know, he's. I think he's available for a, as much as fifteen million pounds. When you think about last summer, he could have gone for about thirty, thirty-five million. So, um, I, I think, I think there are bargains to uh, to to be to be had at this uh, this Euros. But uh, I'll say, I'll say Isaac because I think we do need more firepower up front. A very reasonable answer and a very nice list. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Alexander Izak, he was born September the 21st, 1999. So he's 21 years old and 273 days. He was born in Sweden. Uh, 17 goals and two assists uh, for Real Sociedad last season. So that's a, that's a really very, very creditable uh, return. Um, so, you know, that he's a very, very exciting player and a... Yeah, I, th- I think those rumours seem real. Uh, that we might, we he, he's at least one of the players, one of the many players that we're interested in. Uh, but yeah, that's a great list. Uh, in terms of Locatelli, he's really caught my eye. Uh, as uh, you know, most of the Italian team have to be honest, because they've been 
absolutely brilliant. Uh, in terms of league form, uh, Manuel Locatelli, who's 23 years old, um, he uh, only scored four goals and two assists in 34 Serie A matches last season. But you think that his his uh, you know what, he might lack a little bit of physicality, maybe. Uh, uh, you know his his tackling is uh, well, it's pretty good. It's in the seventy fifth percentile, but it's not amazing. But his passes attempted, he's in the ninety seventh percentile with progressive passes, ninety eighth percentile compared to the rest of uh, the top five uh, European leagues from FB Ref. Uh, there you go, um, Liam. Who's caught your eye in the Euros? Who do you want to sign? I mean. Two have just been named there, I must admit. To be fair to you, the the Isaac shout seems great. His um his ability to really like beat men and hold the ball up and bring us into play and it creates space for shots is one play that caught my eye. Um the one I was going to say you've just said is uh, Manuel Locatelli. His um his two goal performance against Switzerland, I think it was, just um just typified what we kind of need in midfield as you mentioned his progressive passing stats are out of this world is his passes into the penalty area are ridiculous as well he's just um someone that would benefit our transition massively um to to not be using other people's answers and go for someone else um i'm trying to think plays i've been impressed with i mean plays that we've got shakiri i think he's shown especially with his performance yesterday he was fantastic um i'm kind of stumped to be honest i think the two you've mentioned are probably the ones that stand out of the games that i've watched um obviously there's your big players lukaku's looked really good but i don't think liverpool are going to be signing lukaku anytime soon um wijnaldum has played well for the dutch team um flanky de Jong as well but again i think that plays out of our um out of our reach. Um, Gorsens has been very impressive for Germany as well. He was really good against Portugal, but um, I don't um, I don't foresee us signing anyone to play on the left back position with Robertson's excellent performances for Scotland as well. So a few players mentioned there, but sorry, I'm not able to give you um, a definitive answer of one player because the one you highlighted before was probably the one I would have mentioned, Locatelli. No, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, he's been a standout player indeed. Um, I'm on sofa score now, and I've got a, a comparison between Sabitzer and uh, Locatelli. Uh, Attacking-wise, Sabitzer has 69 out of 100, and Locatelli has 62. Uh, Technique-wise, Sabitzer 64, Locatelli 72. Tackling, Sabitzer 54. Locatelli, 76. Defending, Locatelli, 61. Sabitzer, 42. And creativity, Sabitzer, 74. And Locatelli, 72. And if you compare that to, uh, you know, James Milner's scores uh, on Sofa Score, uh, of course, he's completely consistent, uh, being about uh, 55 or 60 all the way around. So uh, Sofa Score, at least, they, they rate Manuel Locatelli as, as, as really highly, scoring the 70s for creativity, te- technique and tackling. So, uh, yeah, all right, there you go. Um, uh, Abdul, who's caught your eye? Who would you like to see in a red shirt? Anybody different or any name that we've already mentioned? No, it's interesting that you guys are talking about uh, Sabitzer because 
I feel like that third midfield position, because obviously we've got Fabinho and then Thiago, and then we also also got Henderson. But um, it really feels like we do need that third midfielder now with Genie gone. Obviously, Klopp. There's there's lots of different stories. Like is he's going to stick with who he's got? He doesn't really care about making a signing in midfield. But like I said in the previous podcast, a lot of the names that I'm seeing are either unrealistic. So Yuri Tielemans for sixty million. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, or they're a bit underwhelming, like Yves Bissouma. He's a good player, absolutely, but I don't know if he's better than Cater and Oxlade if they're fit. Obviously, that's a big caveat with them. But I feel like somebody like Marcel Sabitzer, for a cut price of 15 million, that's pretty much nothing, you know. We're selling, apparently, Nico Millions for 10 million, so that's 5 million on top of that. For a cut price of 15 million, Champions League player... Um, obviously you've just re- read out all of his stats there on sofa score in comparison with Locatelli. I would say that there does need to be a tiny caveat with Locatelli in that Syria is a bit less of an intense league compared to uh, the Bundesliga. But I would say Sabitzer comes from the Leipzig team, which everybody loves and Klopp loves because apparently they press a lot and they fit in well with our style. So it would be an, it would be an interesting shout if we did want to get somebody in there. I think he's pretty much ready made. He's got experience. He's a creative player for sure, um, and that's something that's been really highlighted at this Euros, hasn't it? From a lot of the pundits, they're all talking about oh, players going sideways, backwards on their passes, and somebody needs to have a bit of guile, play the ball through the lines. You know, England need to stop playing two DMs. Um, so those kind of players, I feel like, are really like the players who can play between the lines, the midfielders who can create a lot and take risks, they're players who are really valuable at the moment. So I, don't, I think I think Sabitzer would be a half-decent shout for 15 million. Um, apart from that, um... <laughs> nah, I can't really think of much else. Yeah, Locatelli's playing well. I think he's a, he is a bit too, he is a bit more of a defensive midfielder though, even though he's got the goals. But I do feel like he's, a bit more of a defensive midfielder. I'm not sure, though. I haven't really seen his profile. But, yeah, I'd say Sabitz is all right for £15 million. does seem like a cut-price deal, a good deal. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there, there are other players around, you know, around the tournament that have, have impressed me. I mean, that for, for the Netherlands, even though he just had a cameo, really, Daniel Marlin looked uh, very, very dangerous. Um, and uh, for England, oddly, because uh, I think they've generally you know, being led by a buffoon and so they're playing a bit buffoonish but uh, Kelvin Phillips leads United, he's been very strong uh, but you know me, I like my strong midfielders and so, you know, I'd have to also disagree with you with, with Bissouma because I think he's he, he'd get in ahead of uh, Cater or Chamberlain uh, in our team because I really do rate him highly but uh, I'm just uh, interested in everyone's opinion on this uh, so Brian what about you I mean what about for example the Spain team you know uh, you know having a punt on an aging coke or something like that I don't know who's caught your eye Brian um, well you know I'm sorry but El Hadji Juff has basically ruined international football to me, for me forever. <laughs> I, I I just don't take international football seriously. Him and uh, Salif Jao, I'm like whatever, okay. Anybody could have four games in a row. <laughs> really good. Um I I'm I'm only half joking when I say that. I'm kind of semi-serious. I just I just uh, I just think we um our scouting department 
um, uh, like have, I think somebody else mentioned it, they have their targets like a year in advance. And uh, uh, so nobody, I've been enjoying the football, um, but, uh, you know, just a point of order to, you know, uh, Abdul saying Yuri Tillemans is for 60 million. It's, it's not realistic. How, how very dare him? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's possible. I think, <laughs> it's, obvious, it's obviously, it's a certainty. <laughs> it's going it's to happen. Um, no, uh, I don't. I, not really. Nobody's really, except for Shakiri. I'm like, wow, he's good. We should sign him. That guy. <laughs> he scored some absolute <laughs> sc- scorchers. <laughs> uh, I, I haven't really been taking that much notice of people. I mean, I looked for. I obviously looked at my uh, signing suggestions in our last transfer show. The Turkish guy, <laughs> and he was pretty ineffective for both games. So, um, so I kind of reassured myself by saying, "Well, Hadji Juf was really good in international football, and he turned out to be a complete pile of shite." So, just because your suggestion is not great so far, doesn't mean he's not he's not a good suggestion. Um, but no, I there's nobody really that has. Stood out. Other than um, that guy, the, the the kid that played for England, who's now in Dortmund, who was a uh, in the the youth team for um, uh, Aston Villa. Uh, Bellingham is it? Is that his name? Yes, he was at Birmingham City. Yes. You know what? People are going on about Jack Grealish, and people say, "Oh, you know, you should just break the." You know, I've I've got a few people saying we should just break the bank and get Jack Grealish because he's the guy everybody wants, and he'd be amazing. And and I I can't argue with that. You know, he's he's is a player that I really really rate and have rated for a couple of years. But uh, that he looked that kid. I mean, the fact that he's like probably one of the leading players in a Dortmund team. Um, and he's what 17, 18, you know, and he's on record as saying that Stephen Gerrard is his hero. I mean, I suppose Stephen Gerrard's everybody hero, everybody's hero, but he seems like a player that could be a little bit of left field punt, you know, to to break the bank for and to to get in the to get in the the Liverpool fold for the next five or six years. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what your opinion it's, on that. It's a great be. idea, Brian. It's a really good idea, and 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 more. More than that, on the Jude Bellingham uh, shout, someone someone put it beautifully on Twitter. Can you imagine the the Liverpool crowd singing "Hey Jude" to Jude Bellingham? It's he's he's already got his song. It's perfect, and he's tweeting things. Exactly, exactly. We should exactly. So we're going to sing "Hey Jude." To him. He's already posted uh, like you know selfies with Hendo on social media, uh, and he seems to I don't know at least enjoy. Uh, the Liverpool, uh, the Liverpool nuss. So uh, hopefully, I mean, fingers crossed. That's a great shout, I think. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Um, one more player who we've we have been linked with in the past couple of days, and I'm going to go. Um, I, even though I've, I've I've spoken to you about him before, but I want to get your, I want I want to probably continue to disagree with you, Liam, because you're you're our French football expert, writing as you do. Uh, on French football uh, and uh, you know recording podcasts for for Leon and things like that. Uh, we'll, I'll put the links in the podcast description. You could check out Liam's work. Um, but Liam, I'm going to probably disagree with you because Sanchez, Renato Sanchez, has been linked with us. Um, he's been mentioned on Cop On before, and I'm not convinced because I just I don't know. He hit the post with that glorious shot. Uh, if you haven't seen it, then I'm sure you find a replay. It was a huge, like absolute thump uh, of a shot that hit the post the other day. But uh, for me, he doesn't convince me, Liam, and and uh, he's just. 
unconvinced that you can sort of run around him too easily. Uh, and I don't know if I'm being harsh or do you, I, I mean, are you excited by that prospect of Renato Sanchez? Because you've watched him far more than I have. I think the one thing to say about Renato Sanchez is that his excellence for ill has come with Benjamin um, Andre next to him. And uh, many any people who've watched um, French football this season know that he's probably the most industrious midfielder in Ligue 1 this season in terms of retaining the ball, winning the ball back, etc. So having that defensive-minded midfielder next to him does help him out, I must say, especially in the 4-4-2 that Lille play with wingers sometimes almost playing as attacking midfield with the way they drift inside. So I must say that he is helped out in that sense. Although I think if we were to have, I don't know, say Fabinho and Henderson play alongside him, you would be able to get the best out of him. I mean, people probably remember Renato Sanchez for that rather forgetful um, loan spell with Swansea, which didn't go quite well, but he's since come on leaps and bounds since he made his transfer to Lille and to be quite honest he's probably one of the best distributors of a ball in Ligue 1 and one of the best um, in, in terms of dribbling and carrying a ball as well from deep in midfield so he does have positive aspects that could work for Liverpool would I like to see us sign him there's an argument for it I must say I think I think Lille aren't in the best financial situation at present although French football isn't in general despite winning a league title so I think if you can get him for 25 million, I think he's a better option than, I don't know, someone like, I think it's been seen a lot on Twitter, Neuhaus is someone that doesn't, um, isn't run, running a lot. I can't say I've seen a lot of him, so I'm um, I'm inclined to um, sit back on that one. But someone I have seen a lot of is Sanchez. That's one of his key assets, really, being able to progress the ball from deep, move forwards with it. So I'd like to see Renato Sanchez, but... Again, I don't see much in those rumours. I think your reservations are probably that on the defensive side he lacks a little bit. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, it's it's that really. I mean, on sofa score, for example, he got thirty six for defend for defending and fifty four for tackling. So, I mean, he's not that he's completely useless, but you can certainly do a lot better. Yeah, I mean, in terms of as I say, in the defensive output, Lille's midfield, it's. Renato Sanchez or Bubakali Samare's job is to progress the ball forwards. Bubakali Samare's just signed for Leicester, a great signing, I must say. Um, and then Benjamin Andre's job is to do defensive aspects. So maybe that's why those defensive numbers are down that way. I'm not too sure. Obviously, you want your midfielder to be able to, um, I don't know, kind of have that defensive capabilities. But in terms of, I don't know, you might know this, Owen, I think you, you're you a fellow FB ref user. Do you know the defensive numbers that Wijnaldum's putting out in comparison with um, with Renato Sanchez? I get that he's a bit stagnant in terms of midfield, and again, you're not going to get much for him in terms of pressures and uh, tackles and interceptions, but I don't know the difference between his and Wijnaldum's numbers. Oh, yeah, OK. Give me a moment. I'll, I'll just bring it up right now as we... As we speak, some live statting going on. Okay, uh, hang on a moment. Um, so, yeah, okay, so pressures, Renato Sanchez. Uh, defensive stats, again, let's start by saying, though, that defensive stats, wherever you go, are not... You have to take them with a pinch of salt because they're skewed, exactly. They're, they're, 
you know, but it does tell you something, maybe. Um, apparently, Renato Sanchez had 36 pressures, sorry, averages 16 pr- pressures, pressing 16 pressures per 90, 16.71 pressures per 90, which puts him in the 36th percentile. Jorginho Vijnaldum has only 13.31 pressures, putting him in the 12th percentile. Um, basically, in comparison, sorry, because there are one, two, three, four, five, six. I don't want to go through all of them, um, but there are six defensive stats on fbref.com, and Gini Vianaldum is only ahead on two of them. Okay, but I, I think Vianaldum. I don't know. Can you dribble past Vianaldum? Really, I don't know. I, I just see Vianaldum just sort of. Even if there are times in games where he does appear to be a bit invisible, but the but the side that Vianeldum is on, if you don't play him through the centre like the Dutch do a lot of the time, but it, the Liverpool, you know, on the left, sometimes on the right of a midfield three, uh, you know, we didn't get dominated where wherever he was, you know, whatever side he was at. And but I see Renato Sanchez getting dominated a bit that's that's my problem that's that's a fair reservation and we'll say in terms of um in terms of midfield he's probably not the strongest option i'd say Lille's best midfield partnership this season has been Bubakari Samari and Andre is probably the one that's had the least disruptions Renato Sanchez is someone that struggles with injuries he's only featured 23 times for Lille this season so on that basis do we want another injury pro midfielder I'm not too sure. Renato Sanchez would be a good buy for the money we're talking for. But again, I don't. I think there's probably better options out there, as you've just said, in terms of there's. It leaves you a little bit wanting defensively in terms of the role that he would be playing at Liverpool. Yeah, thank you very much. That's a lovely summary. Um, Doug, um, yeah, uh, well, we spoke about McGinn, we've spoken about Sanchez, Isaac, Locatelli, all the people there that, uh, you know, we've. we've uh, I don't know, we'd like to bring in. Um, Brian mentioned Shaq. Uh, Brian's a big Shaq fan, always been a big Shaq fan. So I know Brian's answer to this, but I'm going to put this question to you, Doug. Um, Shaq scored a couple of goals. Um, He's either going to, I don't know, we're either going to keep him or we're not. Um, If we were to cash in already, no matter what happens in the rest of the Euros, those few goals and promising performances has probably pushed his price up by about five million compared to if he'd had a, a really quiet uh, Euros. My question to you, maybe you can see it coming, Doug, is are you going to sell now because the price will be high? Would you sell the shack? Um, it's, it's a tricky one because... Like Brian, I am a Shaq fan. Um, I he can just bring out a lot of like the the unexpected. Like that goal yesterday against Turkey. Like um, like his first one, he absolutely curls it into the the back of the net. Like it's uh, like it, the ball just came to him, and he you know he just curled it in. The second one, he's just he's coming onto it and. You know, he he lashes that in. It's he's just he's just got that um in, in and about him. But I, I look at 
I look at Divock Origi and the example of the Champions League final, we probably should have cashed in then. He was on top. The 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 best the best possible thing for me were for Origi was to, you know, go and sell him on because, you know, he was he was on he was on a high, he'd won the Champions League. Yeah, you know, he stuck around him, you know, won the Premier League. Um I, I just I just worry that if we don't cash in on Shakiri now, we probably won't get the 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 money that um we, we, we bought for him. However, what I will say is I still think Shakiri would be a an integral part of the squad. I, I honestly do. I think if if we if we if we can't be able to get rid of him this summer, then I do think he'll be he'll definitely be a, a squad player. But anytime he's he's come on, I think he's I think he's a very very good player to uh, to to have. So I think I I think I think it's I think we have to be careful with this one. I think I think we have to be careful in the fact that yeah, he, obviously he he has been. He has been a bit part player. There's, there's no denying that. But when he has come on, he has actually changed games. And you look, you look at the, you look at the West Ham game. Uh, we were, I think, one 0 down, and then he came on, and we, you know, we won two one. Uh, the pass to uh, Jota, that was, that was the one that he won. Um, and then against West Brom, he kind of changed the game uh, there as well. So he is a game changer. Um, so. <sighs> It's a very difficult one, but if I, if, if I was asked to sell him, I think probably this time would be the right time to sell him. I, th- I think it'd be right for both parties uh, to, to sell him, but I, I would be very, very sad to, uh, to see him go because, let's be honest, he has scored, so, he's scored a few important goals for us. Remember the Manchester United double? Um, they got Mourinho sacked. He scored against the Ev uh, as well. So... He 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 will be he will be missed if 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 he does if he does move on. But I, I was I was I was happy for him because he he became. Let me th- let me remember the stat. So he has scored at the um, twenty fourteen World Cup, twenty eighteen World Cup, Euro twenty um, Euro twenty twelve, Euro twenty sixteen, and Euro twenty twenty. Only three other players have done that. So he's in he's in a he's in a. Um, He's he's in a list of of players like Cristiano Ronaldo, Romelu Lukaku, and Ivan Perisic. So that that's that's a good way to to put it. But I I I would be very sad to see Shaq go if he does go. It's a lovely answer. I, I would be sad, but you know, that's my heart talking, my head, my cold, emotionless, you know, psychopathic head says you know he's twenty nine years old. He's almost thirty. He's only got two years left. On his deal, it expires in June 2023. If you can get, you know, 20, 25 million, even though he is, um, you know, even though he is mercurial, even though even though he is completely likable, I don't know. He just played. He played uh, 556 minutes in the Premier League last season. He played 159 minutes in the Champions League. He, he got no goals, he got two assists. If you can get 20, 25 million for a 29 or 30 year old player with those kind of stats, I don't know, Abdul, it makes sense to me to get rid of him, to to box the power cube and send him parcel delivery to, I don't know, 
anyone who would take him for that price. What what, what do you reckon, Abdul? I couldn't say it better myself. Um, yeah, Doug's analysis of Shakiri is great because um, he pretty much strips it down to exactly what Shakiri is as a player. He's just an incredibly decisive player. Like in those decisive moments when you want a goal and assist, um, and you got the ball that deep in the pitch in that final third, you give the ball to Shakiri and he's going to whip in a cross, which is definitely going to be a dangerous cross. Or if you give him a shooting chance, he's almost 80% of the time going to put it in the net. He's at that stage of his career where he's had so much experience um, playing in big international tournaments and holding it down for Switzerland as one of their main players. But then also with the top clubs that he's played for in the past, he's been coached by such great managers. And also his period at Stoke where he was the main man and he needed to be the one who got the goals for them. So he he's developed into this player who is just really decisive, which is, I think, one of Klopp's favourite words. And um, yeah, that's why he's such a good buy for pretty much any team. Um, but I would, I would say, I feel like an Italian team, he would definitely suit them the most because even though he's really decisive in those final moments, which, are, which is where your money gets made in football at the end of the day. I mean, it's the hardest thing in the game to score and to create, I guess. But um, his all-round play, I feel, is a bit lacking. He's been playing this kind of like 8-10 role this last season, um, so not really a right winger anymore. And sometimes when he's come on, I felt like he doesn't... He's been brought on to add attacking impetus when we need to like win a game. And I feel like he's just played really negative, like almost every touch is just going, passing back to a player. Or, and it just feels like a waste of 10, 15 minutes, really. Um, but yeah, and sometimes when you do bring him on, when you, when you are on the right spaces down the pitch, then yeah, he's absolutely mercurial and he can make something happen. But his all-round play, I feel like, is just a bit lacking for Liverpool. So if we do get money, if we do get a big bid for him, and we should, I mean... It's a bit it's a bit of a no-brainer if you're any kind of director of football at any club like oh we need goals get Shakiri he's he's going to be cheap and he's going to give you goals and yeah um yeah I would definitely sell but it all depends it really all depends like this summer one thing that's quite um interesting is uh when like like Liverpool have a lot of players who are going to be starting pre-season immediately so Trent, most of our defence, uh, uh, Salah, Mane, um, who in midfield, Cater, Oxlade and Jones. Yeah, uh, our spine is kind of missing. So Thiago, Henderson, Fabinho, Alisson and Firmino are all on holiday and Jota. Sorry, yeah, they're all on tournaments. So um, they're not going to be there immediately. But I think a lot of the decisions about players leaving and then players joining are going to be made in preseason. So I'm I'm not sure how it's going to work. It depends, obviously, who gets knocked out first, blah, 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 blah. But I don't see us selling Shakiri without having an idea about how we're going to replace him. So I don't, I don't even know who we would go for to replace him. You said Daniel Marlin, who would be a great shout. Um, but yeah, it, it all depends, honestly. It's all up in the air until the beginning of preseason, I think. Lovely answer. Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly... I think we've already got our replacement. You know, people are talking about 
you know, Harvey Elliott being a replacement for one or two other people. But for me, he could play that sort of uh, the the most useful role for us, which is sort of, you know, off the right as an attacking player. Uh, but he's left-footed. Harvey Elliott, I think, is, is a great replacement. I'm sure Harvey might be able to play a bit deeper if he can learn, uh, you know, more number eight role. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Um, Brian, I'm not going to ask you about Shakiri because I, can, you know, you're thousands of miles away in Hong Kong, and I can just feel your displeasure and 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 how upset you are about us even discussing the possibility of, of uh, you know, selling uh, the power cube. So don't worry. I'm going to change the subject, Brian, because uh, Jurgen Klopp. Um, we've got three years left. I mean, it hit me the other day when I was doing the washing up. We've only got three years left. His contract finishes um, on, uh, you know, in June uh, 2024. Um, and all of this talk about transfers, are the transfers irrelevant if the right manager can't mould the whole team together? in terms of Jurgen Klopp. I mean, this is a sort of general football question. I mean, we've got the guy who's just who's just so damn good at it. And, you know, I think if, for example, Jadon Sancho is apparently in the shop window this summer, if you gave him to Klopp, or if you gave him to Solskjaer, in two or three years, you'd end up with a very, very different player, wouldn't you, Brian? Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, before I answer the question fully, I just want to say in regards to Shakiri, you guys all should be ashamed of yourself. I won't say any more than that, and I'll just carry on now, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> answer your question. No, I look, yeah, completely. And, uh, you know, I cannot stress to you enough how comfortable I feel with the, these owners and uh, and our setup, I know they've they've you know fucked up for one of a better word qu- quite a few times, and uh, some of that's just cult- cultural misunderstandings, and they, they they're kind of learning on the fly that uh, people in England are not as obsessed with business as they are in America. <laughs> um, we are a very well run club. Uh, and we have a very, very, very good setup and a very, very good team. Uh, not just Klopp; he is a part of a, a a multitude of very, very impressive people. And Klopp is the kind of person who's, you know, he he's a great human being, and and because of that, he lacks ego, and so he can see the bigger picture. And he, he's already, I, I'm pretty sure, he's already thinking of what Liverpool will look like when he's not there. And, you know, and and he's already setting the framework in place for, for that to happen. So I, I, I think, like, we all know he's he's not going to be there forever, unfortunately. I mean, you know, we, so we should all drink it up while he, while he is here. Um, but I think we're already planning for the transition. I think it's probably, he, he probably knows exactly when he's he's going to hang his hat up uh, and, and, and the, hierarchy in Liverpool know that as well and I'd be I'd be absolutely amazed if it's not Steven Gerrard coming in uh to I mean I know that that seemed fanciful a year ago I you know and I I, you know like okay let's keep our powder dry and and see how it goes but now it seems very realistic and almost on rails um for me anyway um so to 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 answer your original question um yeah, look, I think they just, they don't take punts. Football has changed. It's not like, oh, I like the look of him. Let's get him in. 
and I think you could do something. It's very scientific. It's very analytic. It's, it's statistics. It's it's character. It's everything. And um, I, it's been so successful for us so far under Klopp and his entire team that I think we'll just continue to run with it. You know, the, the foundations that he's put in place, his character will 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 ring m- many years after he leaves and, and, and leaves. Uh, you know, the, the, he's definitely a Shankly type character. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, I feel like I've gone off the rails a little bit. I don't know where I'm going to wrap that up. But yeah, yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> well, <that's laughs> of course. It's a marvellous summary. Uh, no, yeah, I, I mean, it happens all the time. Um, yeah, you just start going and uh, you don't know where, where you've ended up. Uh, your sort of GPS of your conversation uh, takes you down to the river. Uh, but uh, no, and that was an absolutely excellent answer, I thought, Brian. Yeah, absolutely superb. Um uh, yeah, I mean, Kloppo, as you said, I mean, the structure is there. Kloppo is a genius. His 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 legacy will uh, live on and he'll be a very, very hard man to replace. But that's exactly what I want you to imagine now, Liam. I mean, you know, we're going to put ourselves in the picture, you know, the very sad, um, you know, moment when Jürgen does leave our club but let's imagine that it's this summer okay so he's he's leaving the club in nine days and it's your job Liam to choose from one of the out-of-work managers and let's remind ourselves that there are some fabulous out-of-work managers this summer I'll give you a few of them uh, Antonio Conte, Zinedine Zidane, Lucien Favre, Ralph Rangnick uh, Valverde, yeah, then he'd go to names like Andrea Pirlo, Paolo Fonseca, Rudy Garcia, Vita Pereira, uh, Roy Hodgson. Ooh, that could be interesting, couldn't it, Liam? Now, who would you choose if it's one of the uh, out-of-work managers now? Or you could choose someone who's in a job already, like uh, Steven Gerrard, who you could entice to Liverpool. If you could choose anyone in the world of football management to step into Jürgen's beautiful German shoes? Do they have special shoes in Germany? I'll look that up. What's what's your opinion, Liam? Um, the the one thing I will say, one name you mentioned would be definitely not Rudy Garcia out of the unemployed managers. Um, that's a Leon reference for people that don't <laughs> that don't know. Yes, because he, he he left Marseille to go to Leon, or yeah, yeah he was terrible are. at Leon. <laughs> but back to Liverpool. Um, out of the names you've mentioned there, I think Lucien Favre is a really interesting manager, although he's a manager that has always been away from that final step. He's been good at rebuilding the team, but when it takes to getting that one step further, it always seems to be a bit of a mental barrier. Um, I like Antonio Conte as a manager. I think we all know what he did at Chelsea, what he's done at Inter Milan, what he did at Juve. I mean... I think there's a stat they aren't going to season without winning a trophy in his last three jobs or something or or last anything like that I can't remember the stat but there's something to do with him continuously winning trophies wherever he's been well he's won one with Inter he's won two with Chelsea and won God knows how many with Juventus so again we want someone who can win trophies Conte wouldn't be a bad appointment although I don't know whether the styles would fit with the way this side is currently known to play um julian nagelsman's obviously the the one that's been courted by everyone he's gone to buy munich 
it's a really difficult question to answer because I think none of us really want to see Klopp go, but we know that it's um, it's inevitable in the end. Really, I think Steven Gerrard. I don't think he's. I don't think he's ready yet. I'd like to see him have another job, you know, another Premier League team, or maybe go somewhere in Europe and show that. No disrespect to the Scottish League, but take a take another step towards an elite job instead of coming straight from. Scotland to one of the best teams in the Premier League because I think if you'd have said that Neil Lennon had got the Manchester United job people would have looked at you spark raving mad obviously Gerrard's got the links to Liverpool which makes it a bit different but as much as I've dreamt about Gerrard becoming manager I'd like to take him him to take that next step and gain more experience before he comes back to the club I think out of the ones You've named, I'd say, Andrea Perlo, but if I could have anyone, I'd probably say Julian Nagelsmann, just because of the way his philosophy fits with how we like to play. Obviously, formations are a little bit different, but in terms of the transition and attacking intent, it's very similar. So, And Klopp's talked about it well himself when we've signed players like Konate, you know, the Red Bull way of playing football. Liverpool's very similar and we've got a good relationship with the um, the Red Bull franchise. So I think uh, Nagelsmann would be my choice. It's a very interesting and very good shout. Uh, Jamie Watson, uh, um, a contributor to Cop On, um, he, he is against the Nagelsmann um, idea because uh, of Nagelsmann not uh, wearing socks with his shoes, uh, which is which is very, very decent. Uh, shout but um you know the the, the german shoe uh, that people that men apparently wear it's perfect for oktoberfest according to this website is a is called a hafel shoe and so abdul i'm going to ask you who should who do you think if you could choose anybody this summer to step into jürgen's hafel shoes what what a shout this is why i come to the cop on podcast for owen your little tidbits they get me through the day <laughs> it's 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 the important questions we deal with life's important questions absolutely absolutely um i think the manager thing uh yeah like brian was saying uh klopp larger than life figure right and um ever since he's been at the club we have some of the best players in the world right now um but none of them are bigger than him because he he is the center of attention he is um the the kind of perfect representative between the ownership and the fans um he's he's just kind of taken on like the talismanic mantle and i feel like that's something that liverpool always need right we've had it with shankly we had it with paisley although he's a bit more reserved although he won everything anyways but um i we have a rich history of having managers who are larger than life so i feel like then you look at for example manchester united and they had a manager who was larger than life and that's alex ferguson and then what's happened to them since they've had lots of managers they tried to replace it with Mourinho, but it didn't really work but i feel like yeah liverpool they need a larger than life manager and any big team they need a larger than life manager who's going to hold it down so that kind of um strips it down i think if you're looking at purely the ones who are out of a job right now i don't think you can really look further than zinedine zidane really like 
four Champions League trophies, uh, one as an assistant manager, three in a row as a, as a coach himself. Um, and then by all means, when it comes to his actual tactics and strategy with the Real Madrid team, he he isn't just some kind of like uh, just a placeholder in front of really talented players, really expensive players. He really worked that Real Madrid team, made them really defensively strong, um, made that like the main basis of their success. And then he's able to switch between different formations, different types of systems. He's given a chance to young players like Asensio, um, Vinicius Jr. Obviously, though, I mean, they're like 40, 50 million pound worth youth players. But I mean, I, I don't really think you can look far beyond Zinedine Zidane. I mean, and he's got that charisma, the vavavoom, you know, he's, he's a French guy. He's cool as hell, even though he's bold. <laughs> That's probably the only downside. We'd, we'd have a bold manager and then we can't call Pep bold anymore because our own manager would be bold. But I think Zinedine Zidane is by far and away. I mean, Antonio Conte as well, absolutely. But Antonio Conte, he's just, I feel like he he needs things to be absolutely perfect for him to manage obviously he did a job at Chelsea but then the next season it all kind of crumbled because he didn't get the certain types of signings and it's the same thing has happened at Inter again it happened at Juventus like he was winning there but then he fell out with the ownership so I feel like he's a very high strung personality to have whereas uh, Klopp he's worked with what he's got and also he's always praising the the owners He's always very balanced and he's not really asking for the world like, oh, I need Haaland this summer to keep to make Liverpool competitive. It's like, I feel like Zinedine Zidane could do that. But also he's just left Madrid for, um, you know, he doesn't feel well supported. So I don't know. Who knows? But I think in the long term, uh, Steven Gerrard, I think, I think we're looking for him to come and do a Fergie with Liverpool, really. I mean, even though he doesn't have the big league experience, I feel like, he is a larger-than-life personality, absolutely. And as long as he can, you know, coach well and have good tactics, then the rest of the thing is just man management, and I think he'll have that down to a T. So, yeah, Steven Gerrard obviously would be the best, but Zinedine Zidane from the options available at the moment. Yeah, very interesting answer. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, you know, I'd agree with what Liam was saying. I, you know, I wouldn't say Stephen Gerrard's ready right now, but yes, for the future. But for right now, Zinedine Zidane and, and maybe Conte, yeah, I like it as an answer. There's one that nobody's mentioned. Okay, you can have anybody, Doug. You can have anybody in world football uh, as your next manager if, if, if Klopp were leaving this summer and you had to employ someone now and let me just say because uh, there are some Euro games about to kick off so if uh, any of the other guests want to duck out drop out and leave us no problem um, but uh, I'm going to stay with this question as the last question for everybody there's still someone I'm thinking of that no one's mentioned yet but who would you choose Doug? Um, in my honest opinion I think we've got a ready made replacement um, in uh, Pet Blunders I think um, I think if you look at what he's actually, uh, obviously he's club's assistant, um, and I think he, he's a, he's actually a well liked figure amongst the amongst Liverpool um, playing staff, and he's a big he's a popular figure in the you know the dressing room. I, I just I just think that we might be on a like another um, you know Shankly Peasley. Um, Almost, almost like Shankly took uh, charge, and then Paisley was ready to take charge. 
I I, th- I think we're I think we're in a bit of a situation where we're we're like that. I, I my my manager would be Pep Blunders. I think he's 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 actually done very well in the you know the press conferences. He does the FA Cup press conferences. I think he did a few League Cup conferences as well. Uh, so for me, it'd be Pep Blunders. It's a very interesting answer. Yes, uh, Pep Linders, or perhaps Linders. I'm not quite sure if uh, any of our Dutch friends are listening or Dutch-speaking friends. Do email us, coponpodcast uh, at gmail.com. But that's a very interesting shout. Yes, um, yes. I mean, shankly to Paisley, I wouldn't mind it if uh, Pep uh, got the job, the real Pep, and uh, led us to six titles and, and three European Cups in the next nine years. That would be, that would be absolutely terrific. Uh, but there's still, you still haven't mentioned the person I was thinking of. Uh, what about you, Brian? If, if, you, if you could choose Klopp's successor from anyone in world football right now, who would you choose? I know who you're thinking of at own. I know. And he's out of Are work. Are you sure? Yes, I do. He's not out of and... work. No, I'm not thinking Roy Hodgson. Well... Someone more impressive than Roy Hudson. Sam Aladicio is out of work, right? <laughs> He's available. <laughs> we've had a we've had a, a, a mixed-up relationship with him, but he's a man who gets results. And I think he could transform this club from the bottom right to the top. If, with someone like him at the helm, the possibilities are endless, I think, you know? <laughs> no, uh, oh. uh, I think Pep <laughs> that's a horrible thought. Okay. <laughs> Scrub that out of your head straight away. Um, you know what? I think I think Abdul brought up a very, very good point, actually. And I you know, you look at United, you know, Ferguson left and it was a shit show, regardless of who they put in there for many, many years. And we do run the risk of running into that problem at Liverpool because Klopp is such a once in a lifetime character. Um, I, I, I think he'll handle the transition a lot better than, than Ferguson did. I think he was feathering his own nest in some ways by like running that team into the ground and getting getting a title out of them in the last season. Um, but I, I, the, the fact that uh, Klopp is the biggest star at Liverpool is actually a huge, huge thing. And, and for a club of, I don't want to say our stature because that seems a little bit demeaning, um, but I, I do think it's really important that whoever manages Liverpool next is as big a star as the players, if not bigger. And I think uh, Gerard is that. And yeah, you could say uh, he doesn't have the experience, but I can tell you that man is a boss. He was a boss as a player. He was a boss when he was a teenager. He was a boss when he was a young 20-year-old. He's a boss when he was a mid-20-year-old. And now he's a manager and he's a boss now. And he that guy's on rails. I guarantee you he will just continue to just knock it out of the park completely. And I I personally, I, I understand the, the logic in thinking, oh, you know, it's a bit of a gamble. But I, I think of it differently. I think it's the opposite to a gamble. Because look at uh, Solskjaer at Man United. I, I mean... He has been given an awful lot of time at United um, compared to the other stellar names that were there beforehand. And it's because the fans have such a connection to him. He he was so adored at that club, you know, rightly so, um, that they've given him the time that he needs to get a semi-decent team out onto the pitch, which they seem to, regrettably, they seem to kind of 
figured shit out eventually and they're playing some form of football now at United. And I think actually Jared after Klopp would, if not Pep, I mean, Pep would be, I'd be happy with Pep as well, but if it wasn't Pep, I'd want Jared and I wouldn't want anybody else. I definitely wouldn't want Zidane or anybody like that because, you know, what happened at United could easily happen at, um, at Liverpool. And I think we're, 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 we're really blessed with Klopp. We really underestimate just how good a manager and how good he is. I think Abdul really uh, crystallised it when he said he's just he's such a good um, bridge between the fans and um, and the owners. You know, when I look at him, I just look. He just looks like a boss. If he wasn't a boss of a football team, he'd be a boss of a of a really really big company or a country or something really important. He just has that kind of presence about him. And so whoever comes out of him, you know, I, I think it's going to, we're going to have to be very, very clinical in who we put in, in his wake. I mean, the, the two obvious choices for, for that, considering who he is and the shadow that he casts are Pep, because Pep was his guy and he's held very, he's held in very high regard throughout the company, uh, throughout, the, throughout the club. <laughs> Sorry, I'm talking like a headhunter now. <laughs> or, um, or Gerard, or Steve, Stephen Gerard, because it, there's only one person bigger than Klopp in the club, and that's Stephen Gerard. Um, so, uh, or or Sam Allardyce, one of those three. <laughs> one of the three, you'd have to sort of yeah draw the names out of a hat to pick that one. Yes, okay. Well, we've we've had some very interesting names throughout this uh, this little section, uh, but for me, uh, I'm going to finish up this question uh, and indeed our episode today. Um, because I've been thinking about this since you know, for a couple of days, um, more or less non-stop when I haven't been working. Um, and, and the conclusion I've come to, you're going to have to hear me out. Um, it's a man for whom Wikipedia, I, I freaking love Wikipedia uh, because I love the way anybody can, can write it. And on his Wikipedia page, I've got it here in front of me, it says, um, with Chile, when he was the manager of the Chilean national team. He uh, achieved cult status due to the improved results of the national team under his leadership. But then check out this sentence. His personality and gestures during his stint in Chile captured the attention of media and unleashed a series of minor controversies both in sports and politics. And that's already interesting. Uh, but he's had uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve jobs as as a manager. Um, he's been pretty much successful in all of them. He's been very unlucky in a couple. Um, and there was one match where he lost uh, the Copper America uh, final. Uh, because one of his players missed three penalties in the same game. He went utterly ballistic and he got sent off and everybody was in the press conference afterwards was just waiting or wondering what the hell he's going to do because he's a very explosive uh, character. And he said, one doesn't usually have the habit of commenting on referees, but, and then he left this huge pause and everybody was like, <gasps> And he said, but in respect of my expulsion, the referee was absolutely correct because I protested in an ill-mannered form. So this man has manners 
this man starts minor political controversies in countries. Um, his, his people, his own people, call him El Loco, which means the madman. And of course, it's the man who crouches down, who's taken Leeds United from 16th in the championship to a very creditable and very powerful Premier League force in just a couple of years. And it's Marcelo Bielsa because he's never had money. He's never had anything, not that Liverpool are the richest team, but he's never had Liverpool's wealth. And I think Bielsa plus money would be absolutely mind-blowing. And I, I would just, I would just be... It would just be wonderful to have him as a manager. But anyway, that's my opinion. Uh, I want to thank you very much, Abdul. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> well, I don't know because I'd quite like a, a few eruptions. But Klopp I feel kind of stupid best. listening to your your suggestion now. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I mean, it's just can you imagine Bielsa crouching down and you know, on the edge and, and, and shouting at Harvey Elliott, turning him into the greatest player that's ever... I'm totally on board the Beelzebub train. Let's make it happen. Oh, man. I, I reckon. He's only 65, so when, when Klopp retires, he'll be 68. Plenty of years left in it. Um, anyway, so thank you very much, Abdul, Brian, Doug and Liam. Uh, really, really, thank you so, so much. And we're a bit late for this Euro game, but I'm going to switch it on now. And, uh, you know, I, I thank you so much to the listeners, the most important people in all of this uh, for, for, for listening to us. And, uh, you know, coponpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at coponpodcast and follow everybody. I'll put everybody's links in the description. Uh, thank you so much, everyone. Take care. Speak to you next time. Cheers, 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 Che